0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24-monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.
2: Welcome to Special Edition. A weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. This week on
3: Special Edition, we're going to focus on some in-depth interviews about things that are happening locally in the news. In particular, the issue with medical marijuana. We'll start with an interview that Intercom's Nikki Stone did with one of the local organizations. A very big
4: week for medical marijuana and our area, you can now buy dry leaf medical marijuana for vaporizing, not smoking, sorry folks, um, but you and also some grower processor facilities growing in the area, so I, I need to know more about this and how it all works hi abby how are you yes hi how are you it's abby Kruger with justice grown yep justice grown pennsylvania is that a company out of colorado california or is it our own pennsylvania company well
5: uh justice grown uh the original entity comes out of chicago illinois and then we have um, different facilities in california and then we developed justice Grown pa for uh, our operations here in pennsylvania
4: you're gonna have some grower processor facilities in the area one going into the humboldt industrial park correct that's
5: right now will that create jobs Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've already created a number of jobs in, uh, for the dispensary that we have in Edwardsville in Luzerne, and, and we will certainly people. be creating multiple uh, jobs in the growth facility in Humboldt.
4: And there are local people that you're hiring now. Is there special training you
5: have to have to work? Well, we've been providing a lot of that training since the industry's new to Pennsylvania. Uh, there is mandatory training that the state requires, and then we uh, supplement that with additional training about the use of cannabis, its various forms and strains, and how what would be appropriate for particular patients.
4: I'd be curious in, to knowing how the
5: guidelines for
4: that were all set up.
5: Um, the guidelines for the training that PA requires, right? Yes. Uh, well, they. My understanding is, and I, I can't say I was part of that process, uh, but they did access uh, a number of physicians and others who are experts in the area, and and put together a number of um, they're they're basically online training resources through various medical schools, uh, and once they they cover both the. Security and other regulatory components of the program as well as the actual use of cannabis for treating various qualifying conditions. And then uh, the Department of Health approves that particular training seminar, and then that's what my uh, staff accesses in order for them to be certified to work for us. As a patient, I can't just
4: walk into your dispensary then and say... I, I, You know, this is going on, can I have medical marijuana, correct? That's correct. I mean, I think that might be a misnomer with some people. They don't think, what do I have to do?
5: Yeah, it's a little bit of a process. It's not It's not too bad. Uh, it's about a three- or four-step process. If you want, I could quickly go through what one would do yes. in order to access uh, a medical marijuana ID card. I
4: think some people are curious about that, so yes.
5: Sure. Okay, so essentially, um, the first step is you would get onto the Department of Health website, which is medicalmarijuana.pa.gov. And if you uh, hit the link for patients, there is... A very basic form to fill out your basic, you know, your name, your address, that kind of information. You fill that out online. Um, And that's the first step. Then you get a patient ID number. The second step is you would go to a certified or I should say a registered physician. And by a registered physician, that's a physician who's taken some uh, uh, continuing medical education and has um, been approved by the Department of Health to issue a certification uh, for a patient which will enable them to access um, uh, enable them to get a medical marijuana ID card and eventually access medical marijuana so once you, you, you fill out your registration online, you get an ID card now you go to a registered physician, that physician will issue you what we call a certification, it's akin to a prescription but it's called a certification since it's by virtue of the state program and they'll do that online and that's then, then you're up to the the last step. The last step is once the physician registers your certification online with the Department of Health, you'll get an email. Department of Health will ask you for a fee of fifty dollars. You pay that fee online, and you will receive a medical marijuana ID card within a few days. And that will have an effective date right on it. You're good to go. You come into my dispensary. You have an initial meeting with the pharmacist here, that's on staff, just to make sure that there aren't any. Um, uh, qualify, there, there isn't any existing, um, uh, there aren't contraindications by virtue of your medical history or existing medications that you're on, and then you're good to go. You can go to the sales floor and access the product that would be most appropriate for the symptoms you're looking to alleviate.
4: So the medical marijuana does have potential to interact or counteract um, medicine that you may have already been prescribed
5: and on, Very few, Uh, there are really just one or two, I I believe. Uh, That's something I leave to my pharmacists as the experts, but there are, um, I think, uh, just a couple of um, medications that they are uh, uh, concerned with, and a couple of conditions. Um, For example, if you have a family history of schizophrenia, or if you have a blood pressure issue, those kinds of things, they wanna make sure that your physician's well aware of it, the physician that certified you, and that you're still good to go.
4: Yesterday, it was dry leaf medical marijuana that was made for sale in Northeast PA now. That's right. So the other form is the oil?
5: So there's a variety of forms. Um, So there's oils, which is also to be vaporized in cartridges, disposable uh, pens, or in um, cartridges that you attach to a, a... a pen that you would purchase and you can use for any number of cartridges. There are tinctures, which you uh, use as a dropper under your tongue. Uh, There are topicals, uh, as well as transdermal patches. So there are a whole host of... um, of forms that might be appropriate depending on your lifestyle, depending on your preferences and what you're looking to treat.
4: But you can't smoke that dry leaf medical marijuana?
5: No, no smoking of any form permitted by the program. And is
4: that, do you know the reason why they're saying that?
5: Well, it, it's considered, um, vaporizing is considered far more healthy than combusting it. So they have decided that even though we're moving towards dry leaf, which should enable uh, folks greater access to cannabis and perhaps uh, at a lower price point so that more patients would be able to get it, they still don't want to advocate something that's not as healthy for you. So that's why they're limiting it to just vaporization.
4: I have two texts coming in that really don't make... Uh, I, I... Me happy. They're not good. The one said, when do we get medical heroin or medical meth, really? Um Sarcastic, right? Wow. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking we do. It's called opioids, right? We have them on the market. And we also have Ritalin. So they would be kind of like your legalized heroin, I would think, right? Well,
5: you know, it, it, it's... um It's uh, unsettling to hear a text like that because here we have been working diligently at getting people off of opioids who have been um, pretty much dependent and addicted to opioids for 10, 15 years. So many opioid overdoses in the area. Medical marijuana has been proven. There are clinical studies, New England Journal of Medicine recently published one about how the incidence of opioid overdose uh, decreases significantly, dramatically when medical marijuana is available as an alternative. So to to equate medical marijuana to... Those kinds of medications, unfortunately you know that 's that's, that's something of the past. Nobody really believes that cannabis is in the same class of those medications, well, and sixty percent of the country has it doesn't and uh, now has it enacted as legal and I think seventy five or eighty percent of the country approves of it as use uh, for medical purposes so Mm, I don't want to. I don't want to offend your your listener, but it's a little ignorant, I think, at this point well, to classify kidding. it the same way.
4: Tell me the history that you know, and, the, and which would probably be the true history of why marijuana
5: uh, was even illegal in the first place oh it's it's a it's a it's a little bit long and complicated and it depends on whose version you you ask for but um just to give you the the, the quick view that i've um I've read up on uh, I guess I think his name was Anslinger. Henry Anslinger was uh, responsible for the drug and alcohol um, the federal organization that regulated all of that in and around the time that the prohibition was lifted. So with with no um, alcohol, with, with the decriminalization of alcohol, this gentleman was left with a department that had really no purpose. And even though he previously uh, publicly stated that he didn't feel that cannabis, uh, which is what it was called at the time, uh, cannabis was a problem for anyone's health, uh, he needed to justify the existence of his department. And on went uh, the mission against, the beginning of the mission against cannabis. It also happened to fall in and around the time that the Mexican Revolution had ended. And here we had a number of immigrants, it's going to sound a little familiar, a number of immigrants coming from Mexico who uh, folks were a little upset with for taking their jobs off of farms and uh, these these immigrants who were uh, less expensive labor often enjoyed cannabis after a long day of work. So it was, it was readily um, available to take advantage of that uh, a little bit of a discrimination, a little bit of an economic uh, difficulty that the country was in. We used a Spanish word, marijuana, which would sound foreign and uh, kind of um, marginalize those folks. And uh, then the, and the, the mission against cannabis continued. Uh, now it became mar- Now it became marijuana. Uh, and then, of course, we had um, we had some movies that were published that only continued to uh, problem the fallacy of all these terrible things that it could do um you, you know your your wives will start to um engage with all in activities with different minorities that that was something else that was put out there There's to take advantage of, of racism so you know it's been a it's been a laundry list of of kind of a snowball i would say in something to do with the textile industry i heard Oh well, the competition with hemp for hemp—you mean if that's what you're referring to? Uh, yes, I mean hemp had a multitude of of purposes. I believe that had something to do with some of the um, newspaper barons at the time who owned paper companies uh, and didn't want to see hemp being used, uh, which was a comp- competing product. Uh, so yeah, there's a there were a lot of a number of other agendas that were being served rather than. And the needs of folks uh, or, and any real information about the effect of cannabis and, and how it might help people uh, alleviate f- symptoms.
4: True or false, you cannot overdose on cannabis.
5: I would say true but you don't know well that. I'll tell you I'll tell you why I say I, I qualified it um, could you utilize cannabis in a way that could then expose you to other risks which would cause an overdose yes so what do I mean by and that you, could you do know, the same thing with water it's <laughs> so. same, uh, yes and certainly it not it's not even close to something like alcohol which yeah. you can clearly get alcohol uh, you know poisoning and, and find yourself uh, in far greater um, uh, danger. Yeah. trouble but if you if you do something you know irresponsible while you are under the influence well then yes good that but in and of itself can cannabis cause an overdose I haven't heard of it. I haven't read it. I haven't. I haven't seen any documentation of it.
4: Now, are there warnings also? Like I, you know, we get any drug um, prescribed by the doctor that says do not operate heavy equipment
5: while on this medication. Absolutely, absolutely. It is not having a medical marijuana ID card is not a license to driving impaired, and it does not get you off the hook for doing something irresponsible. Uh, so, can't imagine that. Uh, uh, being able to use cannabis in a medicinal way uh, when we have folks like morphine, all kinds of opioids, right? Alcohol, that's all out there. You, you, that's, and that's all um, accessible. So, and, and I can't imagine that this is going to change anything whatsoever. I know some people who have cards. They've had them for a while. But how long have you actually been doing this in
4: Edwardsville?
5: Uh, so we were deemed operational. We were the fourth in the state on January 31st. We were open in February, but not with product. We were just giving information sessions. We opened our doors with product March 20th.
4: I had a, Somebody asked, uh, they said that you answered a question like you were a pharmacist. Are you a pharmacist? I'm not. I'm a former attorney. Okay, so you really did look into this.
5: Oh, yes, quite a bit. You you do have a pharmacist. (laughs) Correct. We have a pharmacist here whenever we're open for business. So there's always a pharmacist here on staff to answer patients' questions and to review their their medical history.
3: For more information, you can visit their website, justicegrownpa.com. Special edition returns in a moment. listening to special edition Today we are taking a look at one of the big news stories that Pennsylvania is getting further and further into medical marijuana not only growing but in distribution Intercom's Webster and Nancy spoke with Dr. John Brady. He is a Luzerne County internist and one of the local physicians who can write prescriptions for medical marijuana.
1: We're talking about medical marijuana and what it takes to get a card. We have Dr. Brady here on line one. Good morning, doctor. Now, you had mentioned something about com, right, for yes. advertisement? There, there's a website, MarijuanaDoctors.com, tells you how to get a, a Pennsylvania medical marijuana card. Right, okay. Yeah. Here's the scoop. I, I'm a medical marijuana doc,
6: certified back in October. Mm-hmm. The law took effect January. Right. The way it works is the patients are to go online to register first. Okay. And that's at dot gov All right. okay. that doesn't mean they're going to get their card okay. they have to then see a certifying physician and okay. then that means someone who completed a course like i did that explains which diagnoses
1: the patient must have to get the marijuana id card mm-hmm. and there's like a, so, a, a 17 different uh, conditions correct is that right they right now it's up to 21 the okay. state keeps adding oh, to them. Okay. Oh, okay. um and uh so the most common,
6: all right, so next they, they would contact one of those certifying docs. They find that name on the website, mm-hmm. and it's listed by county. Okay. So I'm in Luzerne County, but I've been seeing patients from all over because there are certain counties in the state that have no docs. Okay. okay. That are certified. So they come in, they bring their medical records because I have to authenticate that they have that diagnosis, especially yeah. if they're not my patient. Right. Right. So the most common diagnoses I've certified so far to date has been cancer, naturally. Yeah. Parkinson's, Crohn's disease, PTSD,
1: mm-hmm. seizures autism, and AIDS. Those are the most common that mm-hmm. I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, let me ask you now, uh, what if somebody comes in there and you just have this sort of feeling that all they want to do is get some marijuana and they don't really have much that's affecting them, but what do they throw at you then? Like, they have, you know, gas? Like what is it, what's, the, what's I don't think gas is Anybody
7: the, that
1: doesn't have documentation yeah. cannot get a card. All right, okay. but can you, uh, like, uh, I guess, verify that they have a condition that is not in their medical records once they get there, or... No, okay. I do not what other docs do yeah. i do not yeah, okay. you don't do we that. are supposed to be the wall here
6: to for those that are legit yes. for getting the that, card. that
1: was my understanding but uh, you know i'm also hearing stories that there are some doctors out there who are like next 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 here's your card here's your card here no your card. well
6: you know what's going to happen the state will come in and audit those records oh yeah just like they audit doctors who write pain meds unappropriately. Mm-hmm. now if- and if they catch you issuing those cards uh, well, what we do is certify. Then the state sends them an, uh, an email for a fee. You're right. You asked about what's the card cost. The card costs $50 payable to the Department of
1: Health. Okay, but wait, That's let me, after let me, a But let me ask you this question. Does does a doctor make a, even a dollar on a diagnosis, on, on issuing a card? He says you're, you qualify for a card. Does the doctor get any money then? Yeah, well, it's, it, the insurance does not
6: cover the doctor visit. Okay. So you the pay, insurance uh, companies consider marijuana illegal because it is still illegal right. by the federal government. So, no, this is so strictly you have cash. to
7: pay cash for whatever right. it would be for a doctor's right. visit. Right,
6: and it varies. Like, this area is kind of depressed. We charge about 200 It could go as high as 400 right. like in Allentown in Philadelphia, okay. right. a visit. They come in. You go through all the paperwork. You should legitimately. Uh, you go through the process, which is a lot of signatures and, and registering them online and authenticating their identity with, uh, like license, uh, a driver's license. Yeah. And then, um, they, they are going to get an email from the state saying they're certified and they'll pay their fee online and they'll get a ID card issued within a week. Okay. They take the ID card now to the dispensary. And the dispensaries are listed on that website. And the nearest one in our area, in in the Wooksbury area, is in the Gateway Shopping Center. And the nearest one up in Scranton is in the Kaiser Oak Plaza. Right,
7: right.
6: And then they would call and make an appointment to meet with a pharmacist. And then they would go ahead and be dispensed the product. Right. right. So
7: it sounds like you have, uh, like you said, some pretty serious conditions. And this is stuff that's really helping those patients, is it not?
6: Well, that's what I'm glad you asked that. So I started in January. I've been seeing patients in follow-up. Oh, chronic pain is another major category that's covered. The pay 80% of the patients with chronic pain that were on narcotics are off narcotics. Opiates. right? Eighty percent. Yeah, that's 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 pretty. I good. mean, I could not believe myself that this was going to be this effective.
7: Mm-hmm. Are, there, um, are are minors eligible for this? Can you? Can, with well, conditions? my
6: specialty is internal medicine. I treat people that are adult, okay. eighteen and up. My youngest are like nineteen and twenty, and those are the people with seizures, usually from traumatic injuries like car accidents or uh, autistic. Uh, okay. Children, right? So, uh, I mean, uh, I don't treat children. Right. We do get phone calls. Uh, there is a, I believe, a doctor in Allentown who's a pediatrician that's certified that will uh, issue the ID cards for autism.
1: When, when but, you when you determine that somebody is qualified for a medical marijuana card, do you also make the call as to in what form they get it, or can they just then walk no. into the dispensary See, and say, "I want the leaf"? No, no, <laughs> that. You see,
6: we still have to follow federal guidelines. Sure. Mm-hmm. Federal guidelines. Docs cannot prescribe. Okay. All so, we're doing so is certifying to the state the patient has the diagnosis. Right. So when they go to the pharmacy, the pharmacist is technically the expert that says we're gonna give you and there is different forms. There's mm-hmm. pills, right. tablets, right, oils.
1: Yeah. Um, they just introduced uh-huh. leaf last week. Did they yeah, not? Yeah. No, I know
6: you're right. Yeah. And that is like so new for me. I'm not sure how that's <laughs> uh, uh, given out as far as like, is it crushed and vaporized? I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it, it came out because it, it's cheaper. Sure. The average cost is a hundred dollars a month and up right. for the medical marijuana. Mm-hmm. Well. So some people can't get access because they can't afford it.
7: Well, Dr. Brady, we appreciate you bringing us this information because you really answered a lot of questions for us.
3: On special edition, Dr. John Brady talking with Intercom's Webster and Nancy about medical marijuana. There's been plenty of controversy, including locally, about medical marijuana, not only on the medical end, but on the legislative end as well. From Lackawanna County, one of those who has spoken out on marijuana issues has been Lackawanna County Commissioner Lorene Cummings. She got in on the topic when she spoke with Intercom's Vince Sweeney, We'll hear now from Lorreen and Vince as we continue on special edition.
2: We have Lackawanna County Commissioner Laureen Cummings. And uh, Ms. Cummings, I think most people know your position on the issue. Let me say it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm glad you called.
8: Oh, thank you. It's, I'm I'm happy that the discussion is happening. Good. I appreciate you you Excellent. having that discussion. It needs to happen.
2: Well, I have no problem with having it. And some people said that no one wants to talk about it uh, because they're afraid of the local police. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say a lot of local police don't want to be bothered with. Uh, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but they don't want to be bothered with minor pot busts and things of that nature. But you are opposed to the legalization of marijuana completely. Is that correct?
8: Well, I'm opposed to the legalization of recreational marijuana. Okay. Okay. And um, when this law was passed, I, am, I always said, I, if this go- is going to help people, I'm all for it. As a nurse, of course, I would be for something that would help um, anyone that was suffering with seizures or uh, PTSD or right. anything that it would help them with. W- what people don't understand is, is that um, we already have a medication called Marinol uh, that was approved by the FDA and is completely all THC. Uh, that they currently use for HIV/AIDS patients for nausea and cancer patients for nausea, Okay. and uh, it does help them, but the side effects are, uh, of course, excruciating. Because what they are do the side become...
2: effects from this this uh, medication? Well, it's it's pure THC. It doesn't have
8: CBD apparently, oh, all and right. um, so they are getting the effects of of being, uh, you know, high, oh, for mm-hmm. lack of better term. Um, but but my issue is is that. The way this was released is, is very confusing to not only the state and the local county commissioners, but also to physicians. Um, it is not legal at the federal level because it's a Schedule I substance. So it's not considered a medication, or, and even the psychiatric uh, community does not recognize it as such. So at the state level, um, our physicians cannot prescribe this medication, what they're calling medical marijuana.
2: Now, somebody else mentioned a uh, a med called cannabinol. Are you familiar with that?
8: Well, they're, they're, apparently they're, they're referring to CBD, which is a portion of the marijuana okay. plant. I guess they separate it between the CBD and the Frankly, I, I
2: am not familiar with any of these because... Uh, uh, blessedly, I've had no use for any of it because of uh, health problems. We're very
8: thankful yes, I'm thankful yeah. that I, I've never but, had to have
2: to use it either but uh, you know um, the, be great the, to know the, that it's available if you do need it
8: right and and if it were done, the way I thought they were going to do it is to do the research so that they can uh, have their control studies and make sure that they had a dosage and a recommendation. but they don't. there is no prescription for it. It's a recommendation by a physician based on a diagnosis and there's 21 legal diagnoses in the state that are recognized so what happens is the doctor will recommend a patient go to the state and apply for a card to be able to purchase at a dispensary now when they go into this dispensary there is no physician there there Hmm. is a clerk and what i'm hearing is possibly a pharmacist
2: well you know when you go to the drugstore the obvious question is: There's no, there's no physician there either. When you pick up your uh, your Vicodin and whatever else, I mean, you're right? Just picking but the
8: it prescription, it's a prescription by a physician that's ordering it with right. milligrams. So so in other words, when you get a prescription written by a physician, it'll state the drug, the right. name of the drug, the milligrams that that each pill contains, how often you're to take it, and for how long to take this pill.
2: So what happens if you just walk is, and you that, can get what you want when you want it?
8: Well, the studies were never done to give doctors that. Oh, I see. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So it is no milligrams to take. They give it in a 30-day supply based on um, I'm not sure what because I've never gone into a dispensary, and I have called, and and I I am not able to get any information from them. Uh, So I think that it warrants some more discussion to find out exactly how they decide how much a patient is to take. Now, what I'm hearing, and um, like I said, I I can't be positive positive on this, but what I'm hearing is they say take it low and slow so start off with a small amount Hmm. and then as you tolerate it continually increase it and they give you a 30-day supply um based on dash
2: only now let me get this straight just so i know and i uh i if i'm not getting it straight please straighten me out uh you're not opposed or you are opposed to that kind of application or delivery yes or no
8: I'm opposed to the rollout, yes. Okay. I, I, I believe, and, and the reason that it's been rolled out this way is, like I said, because it is illegal at the federal level. All right. Physicians will lose their, their license if they try to
2: prescribe uh, okay. medical marijuana. You don't think we're ready for legalized, and you are definitely opposed to recreational marijuana?
8: Yes, I don't believe that we should... Uh, I think that that would be a mistake to bring out recreational. And, you know, I always hear the argument about, well, you know, it's better than alcohol or it's not as bad as alcohol. Um, But, you know, um, there was an interesting uh, statement made by a a gentleman who has Project Sam. And he said, uh, you know, that sounds like if my headlights are broken, uh, I go around to the back and break the taillights, too. I mean, that's just silly. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, (laughs) it is not the same as alcohol. Not as many people, I believe not as many people use um, marijuana, as much as uh, they do alcohol, uh, do we want to increase the usage of, of marijuana? No, I, I don't believe that's what we want to do. Right. Uh, making it normalized is not the answer. Well, but we if there is a chance,
2: down. go ahead. I'm sorry, Commissioner.
8: If there is a chance to bring out uh, medical marijuana in the appropriate way to help people, I'm all for that. That okay. there would never be a time when I would not be for that. Um, but, like I said, the research has not been completed at the FDA and DEA level. There are protocols that you have to follow in order to get that research done. Right now, what they have is anecdotal studies, which okay. are basically based on hearsay and surveys. All right. So,
2: it's I, I understand your position, and I'm not for, you know, tossing bales of it into the street and letting people help themselves. Right. But you have to admit that the day could be coming when. Well, that won't happen, that there will be shops where you can walk in and buy whatever suits your fancy. I would uh, hope not. Well, (laughs) I have mixed feelings, but my opinion is it's going to happen sooner or later. Well, well, the
8: other issue I have is when that happens, they're competing for the strength of the THC. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, do you want to make it stronger and make people... It, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, well, I, I it think if sense, they
2: want it doesn't make any sense on a lot of levels. Thank you. I thank you kindly. We'll speak to you again. All right.
3: Our topic today on special edition has been focusing on medical marijuana coming to Pennsylvania as well as northeastern Pennsylvania. We'll continue with our program in just a moment. Don't go away. As special edition continues, Intercoms Webster and Nancy caught up with an author of a brand new book about the opioid crisis.
7: We get to talk now with Beth Macy, author of, uh, of this sort of book that's out dope sick dealers, doctors, and the drug company that addicted America. So
9: good morning, Beth Macy. We're,
1: we're so happy to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You know, I'm looking at some of the numbers here. Right, just in the introductory. This how fast it's climbing with no sign of a baby any type of news. And, and 5%, 5% of the world's population here in America, we consume 80% of the opioids. Yeah, actually that is not correct. I, in that last chapter of the version, it's
9: actually recruiting consume
1: that's still, a lot. It's still massive.
7: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so we're, another thing, leading cause of death of Americans under uh, the age of 50 is drug overdose. So when we go back and we try to see what the heck happened here, it seems like yeah. it was this convergence of you have people who were in economic, uh, tough economic situations. You have a uh, pharmaceutical company. You got doctors. What 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 is it? What happened?
9: Yeah, it was sort of the perfect storm in the early to mid-90s where people started believing upturning a century of thinking wherein we knew that opioids should be only prescribed for severe pain, end-of-life cancer pain. And um, the pharmaceutical companies took advantage of that new pain as a fit vital sign movement and Purdue Pharma launches OxyContin in 1996. And the FDA allows it at that time to make this very squishy, unscientific claim that it was, quote, believed to reduce abuse when they had actually done those studies. They said things like, it's only addictive in less than 1%. It's, addiction is exquisitely rare. And of course, we know it wasn't. And when it landed in these distressed rural communities where the jobs were going away, and people actually were already taking smaller, smaller immediate Release opioids, um, and they sent their reps to try to get them to prescribe OxyContin, which was, of course, much stronger and abusable. Um, it was like a nuclear bomb going off in those
6: communities. Well,
1: you know, and if the pharmaceutical companies starts put, if they start pushing the you know, pain as the fifth vital sign, where's the American Medical Association on this? Why didn't they step in or at least say, hey, 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 not so fast?
9: Exactly. I mean, 5,000 doctors, nurses, and pharmacists went on Purdue-funded trips to become trained and speakers and continuing medical education seminars. And as one lawyer in my book says it, it's like the doctors prostituted themselves for a few free trips to Florida and you know in journalism we're not supposed to take three things right yes. Even though we're the enemy <laughs> i mean i was taught never to take anything more than 25 dollars if somebody sent us flowers after a story we had to send them to a domestic violence shelter I mean, where where was the thinking? And to me, that's a place where we could start to turn this around because more doctors need to be treating addiction. They need to become certified, wavered to prescribe buprenorphine or medication-assisted treatment. Many don't want to because they don't want, quote, addicts in their waiting room when they already have, quote, addicts in their waiting room. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think they they got us. They helped get us into this. And uh, they should help get us out of yeah, that. I mean, honestly. one of
7: the things they're not supposed to do is do no harm, right? Do no harm. That is like one of the main uh, things to think. Did it come down to money? Is that what it is, as you're saying? And, and what about the federal government in its role? Wasn't not it? Isn't it supposed to oversee this stuff as well? Exactly.
9: Well, the FDA, as I said, allowed this squishy, unscientific claim. And then Purdue sort of took advantage of it, and mm-hmm. it was... That claim was then trumpeted and exaggerated by its sales reps. The federal government actually did prosecute, or they ha- they came to a plea agreement in 2007, and the company paid $634 million in fines. But they went on producing this abusable drug until 2010, when they finally reformulated it, and the sales continued to climb. And, of course, we know the pharmaceutical uh, industry as a whole, not just Purdue, but Many opioid makers um, have spent uh, nearly a billion dollars between 2006 and 2015 on uh, political campaigns and lobbying. And so, where has the oversight been? I mean, we need to be better voters better consumers we need to see who's funding these campaigns because we really need some urgency at this point with this epidemic because it, as you said in the beginning when you quoted those numbers of statistics it's a scary thing we need urgent care for the addicted because that's how a lot of the addicted people ended up getting addicted to begin with is they were prescribed at urgent care centers and at their general doctors
7: well what's going on now is we see that they were doing this real crackdown where you know physicians said there's all new rules about how much pills you can can give, you can't uh-huh. call them in, but is that helping the situation or because we're also hearing where because they're severely curbing it now for people who may be addicted, they may be turning to street drugs or other things.
9: Both things are true. They are, they're doing better at not prescribing as much since the CDC guidelines came out in 2016. But the point to remember is both things can be true. The horses out of the barn, we all, we already have 2.6 million, and some people think that's a, 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 an underestimate, of people with opioid use disorder. And, we've, and we have a, a, a tsunami coming of hepatitis C if we don't get our arms around that. So I believe every community needs to get their police chief on board, needs to get their community services board on board. Start offering easy access ways to get treatment, to keep people clean till they're ready to get in treatment. And by that, I mean things like syringe exchange and recovery programs in communities where addicted people can come in and trade dirty needles for clean so they're not sharing needles and spreading this disease. I mean, I had a friend whose kid just was walking to school a few months ago and, like, saw three needles on the ground on the way to school. I
7: mean, that should not be happening in our community. Yeah. It's shocking also to uh, find out how long it takes... Uh, the typical uh, uh, opioid addicted user uh, you have here that uh, uh, takes the typical opioid addicted user eight years and four to five treatment attempts to actually get remission for just a, a single year. We're talking about that is the kind of hold it has on people.
9: That's on average, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. and of course we call the book Dope sick because Dope Stick is what's driving is what's driving them to continue. They. Their, their brain is almost like held hostage by the morphine molecule and everybody says in the end like you don't want to be a heroin addict you want to not be getting high you just want to not be sick because so, so it's basically withdrawal it's just excruciating pain vomiting diarrhea chills that everybody calls the worst flu Yeah, 100. it's, it's not that's, something that's you why can... we call the bug dope sick it's a little in your face but you know, say what it is, because we need to start talking about this the way we talk about cancer.
7: Yeah, and are we going to see, though, any kind of push uh, for helping uh, with uh, people getting access to care? Because if only 10% of them even has access to care, do we really have any hope of, of beating this thing?
9: Well, I mean, Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act has been the best tool so far, and, you know, we're still fighting that. We have 17 more states that haven't approved the expansion because of you know, po- politics in their state legislatures. Virginia just approved, but it hasn't filtered down yet. I mean, even that six, that um, the billions that were improved under the Obama administration, that has yet, most of that has yet to trickle down to the communities. And so we really need some federal leadership here. President Trump said he was going to create or a, 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 a label this a national emergency and instead he labeled it a public health emergency which released no funds no additional funds or authority and uh, you know, so it sounded like it but it wasn't and um, you know he talks about rolling back Obama's war on drugs uh, roll back where you know not imprisoning as many people he talks about executing drug dealers he doesn't talk about the drug companies or the doctors you know and i think you know we get need to get all this out on the table and really look at this with a critical eye and i also believe the pharmaceutical companies that got us into this should be funding helping us get out
1: of it well you know even if if a doctor is trying to be responsible about it and you can't get a refill on your oxycontin or whatever other painkiller you're on but you're already it's too late and you're already addicted you know again i'm looking at some of the numbers here that are in your book some a a heroin dealer or somebody who's only doing it one time for four thousand dollars can get 50 grams of heroin driving to baltimore and a week later leave with 60 grand in his pocket
9: it's so multifaceted, right it's about our economy it's about our lack of uh, opportunity, our or growing inequality. I mean, I can only take on so much in one three hundred page book, but um, that's part of that's certainly part of the story too. And and if you haven't been to any of these distressed communities recently, it's it's such a shock what's happened where these pills were first being aggressively marketed. I mean, one public defender said, we're thinking of putting up a memorial wall. We've lost so many Oh my gosh, yeah, and you see,
7: we're seeing more and more, and and I guess the way we have to do it is, uh, we're seeing more of the obituaries that actually mention it. It's hitting from the very rich to the poor.
9: Exactly, that's why the cover of the book is a wealthy subdivision in the city where I live. You know, with the mountains in the background, you all need to be protecting ourselves, as medical consumers, we need to protect our families. I mean, if, if I could just give, give your listeners one takeaway, get rid of all the leftover opioids that everybody has in their medicine cabinets. You know, those need to be disposed of because so many teenagers start out, like, pilfering pills from their parents' medicine cabinets, um, grandparents' medicine cabinets. There's, there's a lot of things we can individually do as well.
7: It's true. All right. Well, the book is out. It's a great book. It is called "Dopesick: Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America. Beth Macy, thanks for being with a us. A bike
3: event this weekend spanning several counties could affect traffic. Here's a heads up.
0: Brian, we have a big event coming up. It's going to be a 65-mile ride for the American Cancer Society, our 10th annual indoor bike ride. I'm a uh, cyclist and a cancer survivor, so I've been uh, connected to the cancer society for quite some time now
3: 65 miles where is it taking us
0: so the uh 65 mile route is going to start at uh, wilkes university's ralston athletic Conf- complex which will go out uh wyoming avenue into the back mountain and then eventually up into uh lackawanna county out by lake winola drop back down into lazurne county through pittston and back to uh wilkesbury
3: Wow, I'm tired already just hearing you <laughs> give the route. <laughs> now, there's also a little bit
0: shorter. We do have options for everybody. So we have a 65 mile route. We have a 33 mile route, which also goes out into the back mountain. It's just shorter and uh, returns back to Wilkesbury. Then we have a family friendly 10 mile route that starts and finishes at the Ralston Athletic Complex. It goes up onto the uh, dike, so it's relatively flat, removed from traffic. It's really uh, you know appropriate for people of any age. So when is this happening? It's on uh, Sunday, August 12th.
3: And it's going to start at what time in the morning?
0: Registration is going to start at 7 o'clock. Uh, wheels will be rolling at 8.15. For everybody? For That's for the uh, 65 and the 33. The 10-mile ride will start at 10 o'clock.
3: Now, when we're talking about something like this, you mentioned the fact that you are a cancer survivor. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. That's Thank you.
3: wonderful. When you are taking part in something like this, um, what's the feeling you get? Because I'm sure that you're not the only cancer survivor involved.
0: Well, it's just a matter of uh, creating awareness for uh, the fight against cancer. Uh, one, two people are affected by cancer. Everybody's truly affected by cancer. And, you know, every little thing that we could do to create awareness, raise funds for research and services is important to me and a lot of the other people that participate. So this is a local event. Um, it is our 10th year. Uh, we've been trying to grow every year and uh, really just to keep it, as uh, friendly and open to everybody, with options for everybody, and uh, most importantly, safe um, for all the participants. Are you going to be doing the sixty-five? I will be, barring any uh, unforeseen circumstances. Uh, I I will be doing the uh, long ride, and you know, setting up the course the day before, and you know, being as active as I can in the uh, in the event. When we're
3: talking about um, an event such as this one, about how many people has it has it grown?
0: Yeah, we've been lucky to grow uh, both in ridership and in uh, funds raised year over year. So we're we've raised over three hundred thousand dollars since the inception, and we usually have a couple hundred riders. It is one day. We do have uh, fully stocked and supported rest stops throughout the uh, course. There are volunteers throughout the course with uh, support vehicles, just in case breakdown. Or if you need anything from a a safety perspective, we have a a logistics coordinator back at home base that's coordinating through the uh, different channels with those uh, support and gear wagons that are rolling throughout the course. We also have bike marshals who are cyclists on the course, keeping eyes and ears out for any uh, potential hazards. And we do have support of the uh, local police uh, community as well.
3: I was going to say, when uh, we're talking about this coming up on the 12th, We want to make sure that everybody knows that this is happening because if people are traveling in those areas, we want them to be cautious and courteous.
0: There is a law in the state of Pennsylvania that you do need to provide four feet um, when uh, passing a uh, cyclist. So obviously, if you could slow down, not use your phone is the name of the game, but there will be police support uh, along Wyoming Avenue. We start at uh, 815, like I said, and there will be uh, slowdowns. uh, So just please be cognizant of that and uh, appreciate, hopefully, the uh, fact that we're trying to do good for the community and, uh, you know, the the fight against cancer. When do people have to be registered by? We do accept registrations up through the day of uh, the event. However, we would prefer if people could uh, sign up online at acsindoor.org. It just helps from a logistics perspective of having enough supplies. But uh, if you can't participate and you'd like to make a donation, we can also accept donations uh, via acsindoor.org and we are happy to have volunteers at the event
3: so it's not like a timed it's it's it's
0: not a race i mean there's a you know competitive spirit to it for those that want to be competitive just by nature of you know having a bunch of cyclists uh riding around i mean there's a lot of hills that people Mm -hmm. try to challenge themselves to ride up who could get up more quickly but it's absolutely not a race we welcome absolutely everybody there's a route for everybody you know, whether it be a 10-mile family-friendly ride, which you don't even need to do all 10 miles, just get out there on your bike and have a good day.
3: All right. Once once again, let's give everybody the where, the when, and any of the other information that you think that, especially that website.
0: Okay. So it's the uh, 10th Annual American Cancer Society Indoor Bike Ride. It's on Sunday, August 12th. It will be starting and finishing at Wilkes University's Ralston Athletic Complex, which is Caddy Corner to Kirby Park, which is a different uh, starting location than in the past. The website, acsindoor.org, or you could also find us on Facebook slash indoor.
3: And I understand you're going to have a brand new person rooting for you?
0: Yes, uh, my wife and I welcomed our son Jack a week ago, and he will be at the finish line.
3: Yay,
0: Jack! But <laughs> pretty soon he'll have his helmet and he'll be with dad. Hopefully very soon, yes.
3: Remember, if you come along any of the cyclists as they are traveling, there is a law in Pennsylvania. You must give them four feet in order to travel safely.
2: Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. A production of Intercom Communications.